0: From Wakefield, it's the Nolan Car Show, inviting you to join Nolan and his guests returning back to the show for part two this week. Howard Helm, and now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. There's a story I, I found interesting. You, you've, I'm sure, shared beforehand, where it's where Alice Cooper didn't show up to the the concert that you guys. Oh, were that was a huge room. one. Which In fact,
1: were- somebody put something up on Facebook. I want to say it, w- it was within the last year. All of a sudden, I saw pictures of it showed up on. Uh, facebook somebody had put the infamous alice cooper riot well it was that was really a mess um it was handled completely wrong um if you can believe it all of alice's band was there they were ready they were ready they were ready to you know and alice was coming from new york he'd been there for a couple of days doing uh something whatever it was and uh basically in a nutshell it was a combination of um when alice left new york on the plane and it's not that i mean it's only like an hour trip or whatever to toronto somehow things got delayed and he got from what i heard because it was really hard to get find any truth any stories what i heard was simply that he had gotten delayed up there something had happened and kept getting delayed and kept getting delayed and for this reason they they never let the audience know oh, wow. there was a problem. <laughs> it's like they kept delaying, but they didn't like, they didn't explain that the delay was, we're waiting for Alice to actually land on the ground. Yeah. They never ever told the audience that now Zahn had gone out. We played our whole set. Great show. Everything had gone great. And, uh, we're backstage too. And we, and same thing, you know, like I said, we knew a couple of guys in Alice's band. I mean, we're all sitting there. Nobody knows anything. Where the heck is he? What's going on? People kept phoning and you know, whatever, trying to figure something out. Anyways, as it turned out, there was no way he was going to make it in time and they made that decision very late.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: very late. Like I think that, I think the sun had already set because he was outdoors in the summer Um, at the old football stadium in toronto and um, when they went out and announced you know well actually that was the other thing too i don't know how this happened i still don't know to this day they sent our singer denton out to tell the audience alice wasn't coming why who What that has nothing to do with us, you yeah. know what I mean? Why? Why would one of the opening band be go out on the stage in front of fifty thousand people and say, "Oh, you're sorry, we've been dragging this out all night." Oh, by the way, Alice isn't coming. Well, however, he didn't say it that way. Of yeah. course, I don't remember what he said, but I'll tell you what the infamous riot all hell broke loose the people were annoyed and what they were pissed off about because canadian audiences generally can be pretty good but i really felt strongly that the the audience felt like they've been conned that they've been lied to and that is what fueled the whole thing it's like well screw you and of course you know uh, my younger brother normally would have been absolutely thrilled that i had got him fifth row floor tickets for the show
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> well guess what he had flying chairs going over his head oh, boy. he had stuff. The, the toronto police were so freaked out when people started throwing all the chairs and stuff and i mean it was there was a lot of stuff going on that they actually sent in a unit on horseback oh wow it was the only way they could get the crowd under control would be for the police to eventually have a line of horses that were near the front of the stage. The PA was trashed. Oh, wow. They, they trashed it. They just, I mean, it was chairs went into speakers. They tried to pull the speakers down off of uh, off the things and smash them. I mean, it was, it was a full blown riot. So the next day, you know, of course there's all the stuff about the riot and the rest of it, you know, not a single newspaper in Canada, not one of them, mentioned that we had even played. Oh wow. Zon was a completely forgotten thing. And then I found out the next day. This was a this is a this was a great one. The date in Toronto was the only one on that particular part of the tour that Alice was doing in Canada. Oh. So he said, "I don't want to go through all the bullshit of bringing all my gear up from the US to do one show and go through all the crap at customs." So he called Burton Cummings from the Guess Who, who was an old friend of his. He borrowed Burton's PA <laughs> to play the show in Toronto.
2: Oh.
1: So the PA that was destroyed uh, was Burton's. <laughs> oh. What a friend. Oh, my God. It's like it, what started out as just, you know, a, a riot at a rock show just started getting really sure. like much worse. Sure. <laughs> i'll tell you what it was just it was just crazy um i did a, a big I uh, did an interview with a guy in canada that has a, a radio show named john bowden and uh i explained the whole you know zon thing one time i mean the stuff that happened to that band it was a great band it is almost inconceivable the kind of bad luck
2: yeah. you know what I
1: mean? that, that we had that we had i mean the 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 best show that um, that's on or the biggest show of our own that we ever did was at a place called Ontario place it was down on the water in Toronto. Now it's, it's the Molson amphitheater, but uh, anyways, you know, we finally one time we're in there um, and we were asked um, to headline. That was a huge thing. Wow. Sure. Get the headline in Ontario place. The show we played that night was for 21,000 oh, people. Boy. We're the headliner. They came to see us. And it's a huge concert in the round. And all the little stuff and little special effects things and that that we planned, you know, we say the Terra place had a rule where they didn't they didn't have opening acts. They didn't want opening acts. Our manager kept pushing and pushing and pushing, saying, You know, Zon's got some effects in their show and stuff. It's like if they start playing in the sun's up, it's going to be completely useless. So he managed to somehow convince them to get a band to go on before us, play like whatever, half hour, 40 minutes set. And then by the time that just bias that one hour that the sun would be down by the time we hit the stage. And um, we thought that you know, that was all great. Um, I don't remember what band it was, but they, were, they, were, they weren't good. I didn't hear them, but anyways. So if you can believe it, because Ontario Place had had the policy in, in that forever that there was no opening act. Yeah. A um, entertainment reporter from the Globe and Mail in Toronto came down to the show to do a review of the show. This oh, is awesome. another one of these things that is beyond <laughs> belief. He saw the opening act, hated them, uh. thought they were the worst band he had ever seen in his life, and he wrote it up saying that it was Zond. Uh. How does a guy review a band when there's a whole set of equipment yeah. and risers behind the band playing? How does a guy mistake the opening act for the headliner and the phone calls that started coming in the next day and rearrangement of shows. I mean, it absolutely it was a disaster sure. for someone. I mean, you're talking about, cause the Globe and Mail, but I mean, that. It, it's 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 um, more of a financial paper or anything, but it's a national paper in Canada. It goes everywhere in the country in the morning. Boom! There's a Globe and Mail that comes out. It's produced in Toronto. So on. So I mean, so this S O B, if you can believe it, Nolan, he's just told the whole country yeah. that Zon is the worst band he has ever seen in his life. And then you saw some of the things that he talked about. Yeah. And you go, That's, not, that's us. not. what's he talking about? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it hits somebody. I mean, I think we we're all together in the uh, management office when the we you know, the shit was hitting the fan. I mean, yeah. we were really upset. We were like, what are we going to do? And it's like, this idiot saw the opening act and thought it was on. <laughs> I mean, it's like, this is unbelievable. And so, I, I, of course, what did they do? Instead of the nice big article that's in the entertainment page of the thing, the retraction, you know, sorry about this and the rest of it, is a little tiny thing that was printed like on page 10 in the front section a few a few days later, like absolutely nobody saw it. It was just like I mean, it was, I'll tell you what, that was a that, that was not a total career killer, but it was close.
0: So then, with all that, then with with that with that bad luck that happened with that, where he doesn't realize that that's not you guys, and then with maybe what happened with Refuge and all this other bad luck that your bands attribute to, ha- and then of course the Alice Cooper situation, how do you find the motivation to continue playing with music that you love, but and not you know fall back and say I can't do this anymore, I don't want to deal with
1: this? Well, there's a lot of guys that do that, Nolan um for instance a couple of the guys in zon that's exactly what they did they just they just said enough is enough um i am the um i'm the only one that as far as a career went that continued uh, Mm um in the business i'm i'm the only one in the band that did it uh brian the guitar player in zon ended up working at uh he was a he was actually really good at doing uh, work on guitars,
2: right.
1: but he ended up working in a specialty guitar shop called 12th fret in Toronto. And uh, he loved it. He loved working there. Of course, all the top name guitar players, that's where they got their work yeah. done. So he stayed in touch with them, but he wasn't in the business per se. And um, yeah, all the rest of the guys, Denton, the singer opened a construction company. I mean, you know, I was very sad. I kind of mm. motored on, and and just you know, like I said, I did a few things. It was, it was hard after the Zon thing, you know, because of the damage that had been done. Yeah. But eventually, I ended up with, uh, like I said, playing with Refugee. Refugee was a really good band that uh, had some, some stuff there too. That one wasn't so much. Uh, well, that's not true. The poly, our second album, Polygram, really screwed us up. If you can believe it, we. We did an eight-week tour, all one-nighters of the U.S. We started in L.A. and we ended in New York. Eight weeks on buses. And there was another band that was on um, uh, uh, the record label at the time, Jeff Paris Band. And um, they were out of L.A. Anyways, here was the idea. We're going to take two new bands and put them on a tour together. And literally, we're going to swap each night who opens and who closes, because really both bands are on the same footing. Yeah. Unless halfway through the tour, somebody just gets some runaway airplay and becomes a great big band, then they'll obviously be the headliner. But that wasn't going to happen. Well, starting in L.A. and as we chugged across the country, I mean, eight weeks, is a long time. To, and we went everywhere.
2: Sure.
1: The first three weeks of the tour, every single city we went into there'd be a call somebody go down hey you know we want to do an interview at the radio station for the show tonight we go to the radio station we walk in the door the first thing the program director who you know we meet and shake hands oh so nice you're here and the rest of it then the guy say you guys don't happen to have a copy of your album do you and we look at him and go what are you talking about (laughs) i mean you don't have our album
2: yeah
1: and he's like nope I've been calling the record company. I knew this show has been coming. I can't figure out what the heck's going on, but we don't have a copy of your album here. So I'm thinking to myself, well, this is just great. That means they haven't been playing us at yeah. all because they haven't got it. And we're doing a show, you know what I mean, tonight. This happened for three weeks. Yeah. The, rec- the, CD- the CDs, the records never showed up. And so we ended up finally. I think by the time we got to Texas, so we're halfway through the country now. All of a sudden, and at one point, I remember phoning our manager and I said, "I don't care what you got to do, FedEx or whatever, but you need to send us a box of our records so that we can nip this problem in the bud right from the beginning and make sure that all these guys have got records." So, so anyway, we went through um, this whole thing. eight weeks long tour two months and um by the time we got to new york you know we were getting we were a little frustrated because you know we'd been playing well and the, and the band had done well uh, the other band had imploded a little bit and uh it, we they begged us to close the show in new york but that's we the whole tour we flipped a coin at the beginning yeah. <laughs> and the whole tour had been laid out so we were the opening act in new york and um that was probably a good thing that that band lost their record deal that night. Oh, wow. oh yeah. The record company was just, they just said, this is garbage. And anyway, so we get to the end of the whole thing and it's like uh, their solution to the problem was they fired the guy, oh. the, whoever the guy was for Polygram that was supposed to, you know, I guess uh, they used to call them rack jobbers and they, you know, that would make sure all the stores had product or displays yeah. and stuff like that. So they fired the guy and we're like, okay you've just wasted x amount of our time running across the country with no product out there it's like we need to get something going for another tour and then they turn and they say to us well what are you talking about you guys have blown your tour budget it's like you just had a tour hold on we just had a tour where you didn't provide the records to anyone no one has the records and you're saying that's it tour's done and that's exactly what they said now, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. But then, when I, um, anyways, when I joined Ian in a mixed band, the album that um, that that band uh, uh, put out was on Polygram. <laughs> I said, Shit, not those guys again. But I thought, oh no, Ian Hunter's a big rock star. I mean, they're they're not going to dare sure. do the kind of crap they did. Well, it wasn't the same crap, but it was this. It was crap they had all kinds of things that went wrong on the first tour that we did. Um, You know, that's the, that's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, you work so hard at your musical craft. It's really, really difficult to find the right guys that are going to be able to spend too much time together. I mean, you're, you know, if you're going to be in a real band, I mean, you're, you're virtually marrying these guys
2: sure
1: you're gonna know everything about everybody in your band because you're gonna spend so much time together but you're so dependent on the people that are surrounding it yeah you know your manager your record company your you know people just um well your merch people you know people who are you know making sure the merch people are doing things properly and and you know you're not getting ripped off it's just there are your question was excellent I mean, it's like, yeah. How do you, uh, how does some of us keep keep at it when it yeah. seems like it's just a no-win situation? But uh, to be honest with you, it's like, um, I mean, I'm sitting in my studio here at home, and I'm uh, I'm still busy, you know, chugging away yeah. and working on stuff. And every once in a while, I maybe go play with a local band and go play some classic rock or something. Yeah. But but not, you know. And I'm just. Uh, it's like this is what I do.
0: Sure, it's an addiction.
1: It absolutely is an addiction. It's it's part of me. Sure. It's like there is music in my head 24-7.
2: Yeah.
1: Some music. Usually what happens to me, I have to be careful if I'm if I'm doing something. Whatever's the last song I've heard, doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. It could be Herb Alpert. <laughs> I mean, whatever's the last song I've heard two hours later that'll be the song that's going on in my head if i haven't heard any music after that so i have to be really careful that i make sure that okay if i'm gonna walk away from listening to music that the last thing i listen to is something worthwhile
2: sure
1: because that's the thing that's going to come back in my brain you know so i don't know i'm trying to the business is you know we started with that it's really tricky i've got um I've got a couple of projects that are really different from other things I've done. They're actually both almost complete. And uh, I realize now bringing them out, you know, it's like, uh, I'm seriously contemplating, like, is it worth actually pressing CDs? Sure. Because I mean, like, for instance, I've got, well, I got quite, I got quite a few, uh, the Zon live album is pretty much exclusively that's you buy it from me yeah I'm, I'm i'm the one that i i redid it and remastered it in the studio and did all the things and um the picture that's on the front cover as a matter of fact um make sure you when we finish today send me your uh uh email me your mailing address yeah sure sure oh and i'll send you the on live album because oh. it's really it's good the picture that is on the front of the album is from ontario place oh wow <laughs> so you the show we were just talking about yeah. you will see a picture and you know it gives you a good idea you see what size of show it is it's a it's a regular rock show it's like how could this guy yeah. <laughs> possibly possibly think that the opening act was the headliner? i uh, it just you know it's stuff like that i will just never understand and and like i said things were all set to go um you know with uh i don't know it's always to me it's always just been a journey you know Mm. what i mean i don't know what's around the corner there is still the possibility even though i'm getting a little bit up there in age you know what i mean it's like hey i'm still uh i'm still healthy and i can still go out there and rock with the best of them so you know i mean it's not out of the question that somebody you know may need a keyboard player and out i go um the the one I would have really loved to have had uh that came up was uh Deep Purple when John Lord died. I'll tell you what, if ever that was sort of a dream gig, I would love to have gotten that. But then I found out, you know, later, of course, that uh, it was all been prearranged because, you know, everybody knew John Lord was sick. And
2: yeah.
1: it had been prearranged for Don Airy, he was going to take over because he was kind of the other
2: sure. rock
1: keyboard player in England. You know, he played with Sabbath and things like that. So it was like, it was sort of a no-brainer that he was going to be the new guy in uh, in sure. Deep Purple. But I thought about it. I go, man, that that would have been a lot of fun. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I just like I said, it's part addiction and it's part what's in you.
2: Sure.
1: Because addictions, you could at some point get rid of. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you really wanted to, if you really decided something you were doing was very harmful and you needed to stop, then there's going to be some plan of action if it's an addiction, but. I can tell you right now, I mean, there is no way I can, I can take the music out of me.
0: Exactly. True.
1: You can't, you can't, it's just there, you know? Um, and there's, you know, definitely uh, and there's some, you know, there's some hereditary things there too. Like I said, my, I mean, my mother worked in music education her entire career but she was deathly afraid of the stage. Oh wow. Oh, she would come and see me playing in shows and she would just say to me, "I have no idea how you can stand up there in front of all those people playing." Oh, yeah. Oh, she was mortified by it. Oh. You know, I mean, it was enough if she if she played a little bit at church. I mean, that was <laughs> that was it, you know, but uh yeah. No, it's what I've always done. I've always and like I said, I feel like I feel I've been really blessed, really lucky and Who knows what the future holds. Um, um, More Sound got sold to uh, uh, private owners who closed the doors in 2013 to the public. So that was part of the thing that that, uh, got my move going. Um, And there is a church, actually, that I had been working at. um, Big one with one of those things with an orchestra and all this stuff um there were some issues that were coming up right at the same time when the studio closed and I kind of you know uh, the only way I can put it is when I kind of smell a rat here yeah. I gotta be careful you know yeah. which is a funny thing to say because you're talking about church but anyways <clears throat> there's rats in church too um yeah it was sort of done and then at that time it was like uh, my brother lives up on Vancouver Island so right. he's not that far from me and um, I thought I always used to come out here and visit all that and the rest of it. My, my wife ended up getting a job offer out here and she, you know, it was like, Hey, kids are all grown. You want to go West?
2: Yeah, I thought, why
1: not? I said, maybe you'll give me a chance to play with some of the California guys that, you know, that I haven't had a chance to. And I've met a few of them. Sure. I've met a f- you know, met a few here. It's, it's, uh, but it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's sort of, it's slowing down. I mean, sure. uh, what used to be, You know, I don't know how old you are, but I don't know if you have memories of just the business being, I don't know, a lot healthier, I'll say. You know, like, I'll give you an example. Even the the prices of shows.
2: Sure. I mean,
1: it's unbelievable. I mean, I really, really have to be picky about going to a show because, you know, they are so darn expensive.
0: Sure.
1: You know, the only concert I'm pretty sure that I'm going to see this year is going to be Peter Gabriel. Oh,
0: wow.
1: That's probably the only, I have never seen him. I saw him with Genesis. Oh, wow. In the early 70s. I mean, and I've been a fan. It's just that the the years that he was really, really big, I was on the road. There was yeah. never an opportunity for me to ever really catch him in concert. And um, quite honestly, I just, uh, I don't know, I guess on the receiving end, I, just, I don't understand how it's gotten to be such a mess that the tickets yeah. have gotten so expensive.
0: And if you want a good seat, too, forget it. You're spending hundreds of dollars for...
1: Hundreds of yeah. dollars. And then there's things now that I hear about, like, you know, the merch, you know, companies, and, you know, they're in there. It's like they're taking a piece of something. Yeah. Then the the promoter, the guy who's actually putting the show on at the thing, he's taking a piece of your merchandise. Sure. And the, it's like, you know, to me, it's just got to be greed. I mean, I have a whole... uh little binder here full of uh old concert stubs i mean most of the things in there there's not a ticket over 10 bucks yeah i mean to see world famous bands sure 10 bucks you know i, I mean it was uh and now it's like i say well that was like i said P- peter gabriel um because i you know i'm, t- I'm I, there's a bucket list of people i've uh, sure, seen i've seen and met many of them i've been that's another thing i've been been very lucky about but i've seen most everybody that i ever wanted to see peter gabriel's left on the list and yeah when i looked at the tickets you know when they announced the tour first of all i was shocked it was the tour but that he was going to tour again but i saw a post from his bass player that was uh happened to be on facebook and he goes yep if you can believe it we're we've worked on a new album we're in the studio in england and we're going to uh we're going to come out and do a tour next year. And I was just like, okay, I got to watch for this, but yeah, yeah, the, um, the tickets are hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Well,
0: it's like Bruce Springsteen, his tickets. When I saw he was going on tour, it's like thousands of dollars, even for mediocre seats. And it's like, how can people afford this?
1: That's what I don't understand. And he hasn't toured in years.
0: And he hasn't toured in years consistently. So it's, it's crazy. I I got to see, and they've been on many incarnations of farewell tours being kissed. Oh yeah. 20 years. And, I'm from New England, so I saw him in uh, Mansfield, Massachusetts, okay. and it was an unbelievable show. It was a bucket list because who knows if they're going to come back to this area, and now they're finally putting it the end. Yeah. Brian Wilson is another one from the Beach Boys who who's struggled the last few years, and now he's probably not sure. going to go back on tour. And those tickets are a little bit less expensive than Kiss because I saw Kiss that they're going to be touring the last two dates. In New York, right. Madison Square Garden, and they got five thousand dollars for meet and greets. They got two thousand dollars for getting a oh signed guitar goodness. and all this stuff. And it's like, how can people afford this on a regular basis? Going, oh, I've been to one hundred shows of Kiss, and it's like the the average person can't can't afford that. And it's and it's like, well, then you're and then you're missing out on situations because then what if they God forbid drop dead the next day? And you're never gonna be able to see them That's again right. or, or or see the high the the band at their high point where it was creatively the the Upper echelon of stuff because then of course some bands and yep. they lose members and they and become sort of a, yeah. a, a tribute artist as well. I want to ask you this sort of going back to WCW before we we end here today. As you mentioned, a lot of the stuff instrumentals for, for the theme music that was for the these um these yeah. wrestlers, but there's also some that had lyrics to it, rapist crap. Oh and sure, a few other ones. And that aspect, I mean, the the main goal I would think I'm I'm no musician, but is to tell a story or. Showcase a story within the music that also connects to the wrestler and what he's trying to do. Yes. So for an element like uh, the Four Horsemen, where it's no lyrics, but then it's sort of or Buff Bagwell's, where there are lyrics, or another artist where it's right, lyrics. Right. How difficult is it for you? And granted, you're a top tier musician, so maybe not as hard for you as others. But for you, how much of a challenge is it to tell that story when some don't have lyrics and some do have lyrics?
1: Um, I don't have a pro- I, um. My focus with that stuff most of the time would be on the music. Oh. Um, a lot of times, just because um, Jimmy would uh, would look after a number of the lyrics, mainly because he certainly would know what kinds of things needed to be in the lyrics. Sure. And um, at the same time, he um, he sometimes had sat down, like sometimes we worked on some themes and the wrestlers weren't there which was actually, you know, a lot of the time, but he would come back and he just, you know, he just come back off the road and he would have talked to the wrestler in the dressing room the night before, Hey, we're going to do your theme tomorrow, this time, you know, the rest of it, get all the stuff from the wrestler, Jimmy'd scribble it down and then come in. And then the two of us would sit down and look at it and just say, okay, uh, you know, how do we want to do this? So really the lyric thing um, well, not all of them, some of them Jimmy had a you know, um, um had a I mean what was the some of them were really funny. I mean, disco fever was hilarious. um what was the other one? I wasn't wonder well, there's a couple of those anyways, I don't know I'd have to I'd have to dig back in here and see, but yeah, some of the ones with lyrics, I mean, I thought actually were were pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, uh, but a lot of them just wanted the, you know, the, the music coming out. Uh, I'm trying to think what I'm trying to think of here. How fast can I find it? Uh, Big Brother Booty. Oh, that goes back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now Big Brother Booty had some, uh, and then of course um, that thing we did. Uh, oh man, there's some. Yeah, I see some of these are uh, American males yeah you know what i mean so there's i mean of course that's buff with the old uh buff daddy what else and then of course we actually tried to do a real thing when three count can't get you out of my heart we made it deliberately it the intention was to make it sound like the backstreet boys i mean that was the intention from the beginning and those guys those three guys really did sing that song there you go we had to do a few things to fix things, but they really did sing it. And it was really a lot, a lot of fun. Um, You know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think what a disco fever. Okay. There's four horsemen that just had the horses at the front, I think.
2: Did it? Yeah. (laughs)
1: okay so funny i can tell by the style on that one that uh, that's my buddy jim morris playing guitar on that and the other guy that had played on many of our uh, things was a guy named ralph santola um and ralph's passed away now too unfortunately but uh he was just Oh, he was a, such a great guitar player. Um, you know, there's some uh, some of the things that were... Uh, let's see, what's in two here? Hello? What are you doing here? Oh, man. There's two. Hollywood Swinging. That was off the NWO album. And then, of course, Jimmy. Any of Jimmy's song? Now, Jimmy, if, if Jimmy was going to have a song, of course there was going to be lyrics sure because jimmy is going to sing you know what i mean i'm the man in fact we even looked we even um we actually did a a a few things as the gentries yeah it was it was fun and i told him when i talked to him last i said yeah you you said you need anything going on you give me a call uh the latino world order oh (laughs) my god it's so funny yeah it's it's nice when i uh I talked to some of the fans about this. Anyways, yeah, we did things like uh, uh, XWF. And then we did, uh, what was the other one? Oh, we did a bunch of themes for okay. Um, You know, and then there was a bunch of, oh, there was a British show that we uh, did a bunch of stuff for. Um, I don't know if I've got that one separate. I probably don't. Oh, there we go. Un- unreleased themes see what's here there's the xwf album now a couple of those of course had guys from the wcw so right. rap is crap was on there i'm the man the nasty boys theme buff bagwell conan you know so i don't think my mouse is working anyways yeah yeah it just uh no the lyric thing you know we'd uh, we'd be trying you know while i while I'd be working on musical ideas, Jimmy would be kind of singing things behind sure. me. You know what I mean? And that's so that's kind of how sure. how things would evolve, you know, and then we'd decide at that point, you know, if there were any um well, special effects and stuff sure. like that, you know, we wanted to put in. But uh, and say, like I said, once in a while some of the wrestlers were there. Um and sometimes they weren't. So sure. you know.
0: Well, that aspect with with the wrestlers, obviously, it's their theme music, so they're gonna have a lot of input in terms of what they want to sound like to represent their character yep. fully. But besides that, from maybe the office, uh, uh, Turner or WCW, the people in charge, did they ever tell you and Jimmy, okay, this is sort of how we want the theme songs to sort of fit within the program, or is it sort of just free range with you and Jimmy? No,
1: nope. they never told us anything about it. It was it was uh, was pretty much you know it's pretty much up to the wrestlers. Um, And then, of course, it got really out of hand when Hulk, the couple of times, I think it was only two or three times, I think, that Hulk actually used Voodoo Child by uh, Hendrix and what they had to pay for that. Oh, yeah. A lot of money.
0: Only for a few seconds, though, too.
1: Yeah. Oh. It was unbelievable. Of course, you know, it was at a point when, you know, Hulk was big in his career sure. and they were, you know, willing to do much anything Hulk wanted, but my goodness, that was, yeah, they pulled the, they pulled the plug on that in a hurry. It was, that was really expensive. Sure. I think only three times he actually used oh, yeah. it. Yeah, because They it. paid a lot of money. I want to say, man, maybe 300 grand. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, that's insane.
0: Yeah. The Hendricks family didn't mind though. They were taking that right to the bank
1: they very much they've i guess since jimmy died i guess that's what they've all they've always done it's yeah. very very closely monitored you won't Good. see hendrix music being used anywhere if anybody does use it you know it's a deal that they made with the family yeah. and they paid dearly for it
0: well i know a guy that i spoke on who was have had on for a, many uh, many or a few times that's done work with the beach boys his name is mark lynette and based out of la <laughs> and he's worked on a lot of the um jimmy hendrix uh state releases right. of of stuff you know wcw ends you, you you spent you had about probably 20 plus years of a lot of success within the music industry touring with all these different acts backing up yeah. them and success a Juno award i believe for for work at some point in your your career mm-hmm. and uh, many other things when you that and in the early 2000s 2001 I believe when WCW gets bought out your relationship with music is what at that point after all the years of of music that you
2: experienced
1: well I was still I was still at the studio so th- that dropped uh Jimmy basically went off to well you know a bit trying to find work for himself as well yeah because of what was going on so that's when these different wrestling companies you know started getting uh, proposed and the rest of it but none of them really yeah None of them really saw the light of day. We spent a lot of time on stuff like that. We also did a, this is really funny. They, um, Jimmy was friends with a guy who was one of the producers on the monster truck show. And um, they had this idea of actually coming up with some themes for the monster trucks. (laughs) And so um, that's, that was in 2000. And uh, see if I can. (sighs) I don't know why this isn't working. We're gonna try another uh, for some reason I'm trying to just open a music file. It's not moving. All right, hang on. Uh, let me see what's um okay. Yeah, so here are the here are the trucks that I did themes for. Gravedigger, yeah. wild thing, predator, reptoid, uh bustin' loose, king crunch, sudden impact, avenger survivor, prowler, Eradicator, destroyer, gunslinger and bulldozer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure back in
0: the 70s when you were touring with groups you weren't imagining you were going to be writing never imagined songs And I gotta monster tell trucks.
1: you at one point we actually went to the monster truck show in Tampa and I set up microphones on at this at the side and the bottom to record the actual sound of the monster trucks. Well, I'd have no idea why I didn't think about this, but I didn't. Uh, I was completely covered in mud. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just from head to toe, where the trucks were go by. You know, I mean, the, the stuff's flying everywhere. Yeah. So I was just, you know, I'm I'm protecting my dat recorder yeah. and stuff <laughs> like. Oh my God, get a sheet over it and things yeah. like that. You know, but it was. um Anyways, I yeah, I had to make my own monster truck sounds. Let me see if any of them are on here.
2: No. 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 No.
1: Oh, oh well i thought i had uh i thought i had some of my uh tr- i actually got some great footage sure. of the monster trucks but man mm-hmm. yeah the filth i was covered in to get it <laughs> yeah so that's what i was doing you know jimmy kept trying to come up with some other ideas and um, and i continue to work on projects at the studio recorded with some other bands There's a prog band out of uh sarasota i did three albums with starting in uh Uh, probably 2003 i think and stuff um i also uh yeah there was some big projects i was just doing at studio you know and so i you know kept plowing on and and working there i also went and uh uh, played a couple of times with a was a weird band that was put together um i don't remember where the management was but it was called voices of classic rock Uh and what it was it was mike reno from lover boy and it was john cafferty from the beaver brown band and uh um, the guy from survivor and a bunch of those people. Anyways, what they did was they put these shows together that would go around and each of the guys, each of those singers would do three or four songs in the show that would be their hits. And then the next guy would come out and then the next guy would come out, but it was one band.
2: Okay.
1: And so I played, um, yeah, that was a kick for me to actually play lover boy songs with Mike <laughs> Reno Considering Loverboy was the band that came in when they fired the a department at CBS in Toronto, Loverboy is the band that came in and replaced Zond. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I remember the first show I was doing with him. It was hilarious. I mean, I think it was in Denver and uh, got in the dressing room and everybody was meeting everybody. And, uh, and that's the other thing too, you know, people, you mean, honestly, when you, when you're doing shows at that level, it's like uh you're not gonna have a lot of rehearsal. Yeah. That whole sure. thing, the voice of classic rock, there were no rehearsals. Oh wow. You were given the set list. If there were any deviations from um recorded versions of the song, they would let you know. But basically, it's like you're on your own, pal. You're yeah. you're being paid to show up and play these things just like the record.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and work with the original artist. And so it's like uh yeah, so I started getting, you know, that was uh, a yeah. that was good. Yeah, I had a, a chance to do some things, but yeah, things are slowed down now. I'm uh, I'm in the uh we'll call it the twilight years, yeah. I think.
0: Well, we have another connection then. cuz John Cafferty grew up uh, start got his start in Rhode Island and that's where I'm from as well and I grew up with his. Oh yeah. His son his son's John, gone to music as well.
1: John's a great guy. Yeah. Uh his sax player tunes is a great guy too. Yeah. You now,
0: know, like everything else, and this will be the last question before this little game I want to play, you know, nothing in life, of course, lasts forever. At some point, it comes to a close. So for Howard Helm, what does he want his music legacy to look like at the end of the
1: day? Um, it's funny, that exact question is what's prompting me to go through some things that I have right now that have uh, I've kind of had hanging around or projects that I've started. And then either been forced to leave because I had to work on something else sure. or things that just got left. And I thought, I think I want to try and get the the rest of a body of workout, you know what I mean, that of stuff that I can do. I when yeah. it's all said and done and want people able to go, wow, this guy really did a lot of different music. Yeah. Like, like he did everything yeah. and also got to do some of it, you know, at a really high level. Sure. You know, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, that's probably my, uh, you know, I would have had a different, I would have, it would have been a totally different answer 20 years ago because the, the business would have been different. It would have been, Oh, you know, I'd be hoping for a new hit record or a tour with this or that, but things are, um, you know, unless you've really got the old reputation to fall back on, you know what I mean? It's, it's gigs are are hard to come by
0: now. Before we end here today, I want to end on a little segment called The One Word Challenge. So what entails with this is I'll throw out a few names of people, places, or things that have some connection. My guest this week being Howard Helm. He has to do his best to say a word or two or a sentence, whatever he wants, because he's a legendary man in himself. He has to do his best to say whatever comes to mind. So, Howard, are you ready? Sure. Uh, First one, Toronto, Canada.
1: Well, it's the only way to go, eh?
0: Yeah. Uh, Tampa, Tampa, Florida.
1: Uh... Wow, beaches, I'll say.
0: Uh music. Concerts. Uh piano. Uh
1: my best friend.
2: Uh
0: hard work. Required. Uh success.
1: Lucky. Mick Ronson. Salt of the earth. <laughs>
0: uh jimmy hart
1: Ooh, that would applied for jimmy too <laughs> loads of fun i'll say
0: and last but certainly never least in this cosmic universe we all call earth which is what we live on now and forever howard helm
1: well he stuck at it how about that <laughs> there, that's, didn't that's, give, that's, I, I didn't give up how's that
0: there there we go he never gave up and that's the never gave the, up the gist you want to have in life well good sir i want to say thank you for taking the time to speak with me come on this was a great great treat
1: great no problem nolan and uh, like i said uh uh give uh, shoot me your address and i yeah. will send you a zon live and i will send you a copy of my 2017 Prague album
0: oh you're, you're too kind yeah, i'll
1: tell you it's really good and jim morris who played a lot of the wrestling teams he's the guitar player on I'm the sorry, album yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll jim and i jim thing. and i wrote the album together and uh i'm really really pleased with it some people are not into progressive rock but I'll tell you what it's—I uh, think it's one of the best albums I've ever done. So I will send it to you. Yeah,
0: excellent. I appreciate that. Well, all those out there who enjoyed because who the heck wouldn't? Because down the line, when my guest Mister Helm gets inducted into the Toronto Music Hall of Fame—if there—if yeah. there is one—you're just like, oh my gosh, good golly gosh molly! I, I should subscribe. So subscribe, comment, share all that fun jazz. Because down the yeah. you're gonna regret if you don't do it. Follow on Twitter, Nolan Car Instagram, the Nolan Car Knight show, and the words of Johnny Carson, the DM talk show, similar to this one. Of course, I bid you all a heartfelt good night. Till next time, we talk again.